Remember, freedom is a gift from God. Choose to accept it, guard it, nourish it, share it with your loved ones. Don't let anyone take it from you. Choose to be free. Learn how to choose freedom with your host, Dr. Baruch Platner. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome to this episode of Choose to be Free. I'm going to do something a little bit uh, different today and uh, start this show with um, a piece of scripture, uh, Psalm 121. And I'm going to use the uh, King James uh, Version translation because it's just so beautiful, uh, that language. It's a little bit archaic, but I think the beauty of it um, more than makes up for um, kind of the old language. And I think it's much more expressive than some of the modern ones. So here we go. Uh, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence comes my com cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. So uh, this is the end of the psalm. Why uh, did I want to uh, read it to you at the beginning of this uh, episode of the show? The reason is that uh, everything in our modern culture tells us that we should rely on others, substantially the government, in our hour of need. So we call 911. We, if we are injured, we, ha we have the emergency room 24-7, not far from us, and so on. But, and that, that those are good things. Those are good things that the government provides us with. And in order to get these things, we had to make enormous sacrifices in terms of our freedom, uh, spiritual freedom, and financial freedom. So if you think about the Americans that uh, started America 244 years ago, they did not have 911. They had maybe a volunteer fire department that substantially could watch their house burn down. They had doctors that were hours away in a ho with a horse and buggy, and all they could do was pretty much sit there and uh, you know pray to God and see what happens but at the same time these folks uh, were much freer than we can ever imagine ourselves to be because they were self-reliant when they looked up at the hills like this psalm says and asked who 
shall come to my aid, they knew the answer from knowing this exact scripture. Okay, they knew the answer from these words that were written at least two and a half thousand years ago, maybe three thousand years ago, and that were sung. It says in Hebrew, Shir Lamalot. It says it says that those uh, this particular psalm was sung on the main staircase leading to the temple in Jerusalem, the first temple and the second temple, by the mem members of the tribe of Levi, one of whom probably wrote these words, these timeless words. So, um, in that sense, those original Americans were much closer to God than we are today because they followed this rule. When they looked up at the mountains, they knew that all they had to rely on was their own ingenuity, their own skills skills that they had, and God. And in fact, all the, the way they believed, the, how they saw it is, was it was one and the same. So everything they were endowed with, you know, their talents, uh, the fact that they could fix a cartwheel and set a bone and cook a stew and make fire and you name it, that all came from God in their firm belief. So to, to, when they looked up at the mountains and said, God is there with me, what they really meant was, I am here for myself and my family and my tribe and my nation. Well, since then, with the advance, uh, with the advent of uh, technology and medicine and science, it became um, inevitable that we create larger structures, hospitals, fire departments, armies and police forces and FBI's and, and all these government bureaucracies. And we come to rely on them. So now, when we look up at the mountains and we say, who will come to my aid? Most people think the government will, right? So most people think, well, I'll call 911, I'll call, you know, child, um, you know, health and human services or whatever. In other words, I'll talk to some bureaucrat. In a very real sense, we replaced God with bureaucracy and meritocracy and technocracy okay um but something's uh, and maybe that was a good bargain you know i don't know that many people want to go back to those days when yes you were much freer than today but at the same time uh you know you also didn't have a 24 7 emergency room if your child god forbid got hurt or something like that right so I don't think we're ready to go all the way back, nor should we. But what's happening now is that, interestingly enough, in America is that while the American people were upholding the, their end of the bargain with government, in other words, most American people were and are law-abiding, they pay their taxes on time, they cut, they cut their grass, they maintain their property, um, they go to work, and so on. What has been happening lately is that the government has totally reneged on its side of the bargain. We see now in cities, 
police departments, which are the only thing that stays stands between order and absolute mayhem and also between people having property rights and substantially not having property rights because their property can be just stolen from them. Well, police departments are being defunded, distorted, uh, demoralized, uh, decimated, destroyed, and there's probably other words starting with that D uh, sound that could be applied here. Uh, science, which originally, and I'm talking about not pseudoscience like psychology and sociology and even economics, I'm talking about the kind of science that was pioneered by people like Newton and Galileo Galilei and you know Einstein. This kind of science is being destroyed by mountebanks, by crooks with degrees who go out and uh, for money propagate hoaxes like the climate hoax and also now this virus hoax. In other words, the hoax of the virus is not that the virus exists, it doesn't exist, it does exist. The hoax is that there is much we can do about the spread of the virus, which is simply not true. This virus is going to spread as much as it always was going to spread. There's nothing we can do about it. And some people will uh, get will, will get it but not get sick. And some people will get sick and recover. And it looks like a very small percentage of people, uh, especially those who per perhaps like me, are older and have underlying conditions, comorbidities as they call them. Those people may get not only ill but seriously ill and even die. And that's just par for the course for the human, for human existence throughout, for as long as there were humans. But what these pseudoscientists are telling us is that somehow we can subvert this natural process uh, of, na uh, of how things progress, and it's just not true. A vaccine may or may not be found. It may or may not be effective. I doubt that. I have no doubt that they will find something that they call a vaccine, but since Corona is so similar to the common flu and those types of viruses rather than like a measles virus, it's not at all clear that uh, this vaccine will have significant efficacy. So like the, the, like the vaccines we had for, we have for polio and measles. Anyway, I'm not an I'm not a virolo virologist or an epidemiologist. My degree is in aerospace engineering. So all I know is how science is supposed to be. And that's not what we are getting. Science, science in order to work for us, in order to build airplanes and cars and power plants, has to be objective. It has to be practiced objectively. But that's not what we're seeing now. So our government is betraying us. And what we're seeing now in America is something that goes even beyond uh, the betrayal of science and the betrayal of this historical bargain between people in the West, especially Americans, but actually everywhere uh, in the West, in Western Europe and America, people have made this bargain. And the substance of the bargain was that people were uh, amenable to accepting certain very significant limits 
on their freedoms, personal freedoms, and were willing to um, agree to things like uh, a universal income tax, which, by the way, which, of course, as we know, did not exist in America until the early 20th century. So government uh, supported itself substantially from duties and excise taxes. Uh, well, that was not enough. So people agreed in America to things like taxes on income and then taxes on consumption in some states like uh, and, and local jurisdictions like uh, the sales tax and in Europe to the value added tax and uh, which is another type of tax on, uh, on, on consumption really is a more pervasive because it's a tax on every step of the product as it, as it gets as, as value gets added to it this tax is paid so by the time it gets it reaches the consumer who pays this tax yet again it has already been taxed several times anyway so people agreed to this kind of taxation in exchange for those wonderful government benefits like 911 like 24 7 um, hospital emergency rooms like public education like clean uh, water that flows from your tap like a, a sewage treatment and, and and police policing so protection from criminals and from foreign enemies what, what, what we're seeing in America now is that um, there are significant forces in, 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 in America. In fact, the forces that are in control of America right now, substantially, uh, are forces that want to break down this bargain. So what they're saying, for example, the Smithsonian uh, Af African American History Museum put, put up a display which they apparently just took down, but it called things like hard work, punctuality, um, getting the job done right. They say, well, all of that is part of white culture. And of course, we know that white culture now in America is considered akin to uh, something that is uh, between uh, anathema and taboo. Okay. So in other words, if it's part of white culture, it's not only bad, it's beyond the pale kind of bad. So in other words, going to work every day, working hard, getting the job done right, those values on which America was built upon, also individualism, in other words, taking care of yourself and on your family, of your family, so that you and your family will not have to rely on those government services uh, very much, and leave those government services then available for those people who through some unfortunate and hopefully temporary circumstances cannot take care of themselves. Well, those values are now considered in America to be beyond the pale, to be so bad as, as to, to uh, what you need to do with them is to, is to destroy them immediately. You need to, they need to be taken out. And what we see in American cities now is that uh, they are destroying uh, public services, right? So uh, you can be working hard, you can be paying taxes, you can be doing everything right. So on one hand, they're saying that all of that is actually bad. But then on the other hand, they're also saying that uh, in exchange for that, you're getting nothing. 
it's kind of similar to Harvard University that is still going to take $50,000 from their students per two semesters, but substantially be a correspondence school and deliver all of this online. So engineering student, a big part of engineering education is laboratories. They're never going to touch an oscilloscope, but they're going to pay the 50 grand. So that's where we are. That's where we're at, folks. And, and um, you know, when, when you have a, a deal, right, when you have a bargain, a historic bargain between the people and their government, and then a large part of the people and most of the government says that this bargain is no good. And this is what's happening now in America. A large part of the American population and uh, a large part, if not, if not all, of American government and, and American institutions like the academia, they say, well, this bargain is, 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 is a very bad one and we don't want to do it anymore. Then you have to look around and say, well, I guess that's it then. I guess that bargain is out the window and that's not how things are going to continue to work. So then the question becomes, well, what is going to replace it? How, how will things continue to work? And more about that in the next segment. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. So what we're seeing now in America is, uh, and across the West, but let's focus on America now because that really is all that matters as far as uh, the entire Western civilization is concerned. So what we're seeing, uh, as we mentioned in the previous segment, is we're seeing the collapse of the grand bargain, the grand civilizational bargain that was developed as the foundational bargain of the Western civilization. And this bargain, uh, this deal, involves individual people doing things that individual people do like working hard working productively uh, being dutiful to god being dutiful to their elected representative government at all levels abiding by laws that were passed by the by their own elected representatives keeping the peace, 
kind of minding their own business, paying taxes, serving in the military when called upon and serving with valor, mowing their lawns, you could say, maintaining their properties, their farms, their apartments, not littering in the streets, not committing crimes against property and against other human beings. And you know what? What it really comes down to is that the, these were individuals who substantially abided by the Ten Commandments. That's what it really comes down to. And in exchange for that, in exchange for this godly, you could say, behavior by individuals, the government in the Western civilization agreed to limit its own powers to not interfere with law-abiding citizens, their rights to own property, including firearms, to speak as they choose to speak, to assemble peacefully, to assemble with whomever they want to assemble, and not assemble with whomever they chose to not assemble. That's also very important. The right to say, I don't want you here, is a fundamental right. You know, as an aside, if you read uh, Ian Fleming, the guy who wrote the James Bond books, if you read the original books that, that he himself wrote, not the books that were later uh, made into films that were written by other authors approved by his family. But if you read the original Ian Fleming books from the 1950s, they're, they're uh, by today's standards, quite misogynistic, but also kind of anti-Semitic and bigoted in a sense that, and he describes, for example, these Florida uh, private clubs, maybe like Mar-a-Lago, that didn't uh, didn't want Jews, didn't want Jews as members, even rich Jews. And I'm a Jew, as if you if you were listening to this show, no, an Israeli. And you know what? I don't find it in the least offensive. I would say something like this: If a bunch of people who were white Anglo-Saxon Anglo um, Protestants, you know, Christians, decided that they wanted to get together for you know, playing golf or tennis or, you know, boating on the, on, on the intracoastal or whatever, and they felt like Jews who come from a different culture would not be kind of, um, would not really be uh, conducive to them having a good time, then I would probably not want to be there because, you know, I, I would feel unwelcome. And that culture that these folks have is not my culture, and um, I would feel a little bit awkward. And uh, why would I want to be there? On the other hand, and that's how it used to work, there were rich Jews who organized Jewish clubs in which it was completely acceptable probably to speak in Yiddish and to refer to all kinds of uh, what's called Yiddishkeit, all kinds of Jewish culture and Jewish lore, which would have been totally um, 
ununderstandable um, and opaque to non-Jews, but that's fine. You, you know, it's natural for us to be with our own tribes, with our own extended families. I find nothing whatsoever offensive about it. But so the government in the West agreed to mind its own business. And the business of government was just one. Letting individuals do what they do best. Create wealth and create happiness and create thriving, healthy, law-abiding, white picket fence communities. That was the Western civilizational bargain. It's very different than the Eastern civilizational bargain. For example, the civilizational bargain that exists in places like China, Japan, and to, to quite a large extent, Russia. So, certainly Russia after the 1917 revolution and that's why they say by the way that the 1917 revolution was an anti-western revolution in russia russia which has that split european but also asiat asiatic soul at least since uh, peter the great's time in 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 the 18th century was 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 very western oriented its elites spoke french and uh, saw themselves as part of Europe, whereas the people, the poorer people, the peasantry remained very Asian in their uh, kind of outlook. And 1917 was a, a civil war between the uh, Western and the Eastern elements in Russia with the Eastern elements winning. So what is that Eastern mentality? The Eastern civilizational bargain is totally different. The Eastern civilizational bargain is also more ancient. This is what used to be in places like Egypt, Mesopotamia, and so on. And that bargain involves the people agreeing, also India, uh, shouldn't forget that. So substantially under, under that bargain, the people substantially agree to a kind of a caste system in which, or a Confucian kind of system in which they respect the position into which they were born they don't necessarily try to better themselves if they were born to a family of a if you were born to a family of a small you know shopkeeper maybe a cobbler your part in that bargain was to become a cobbler and continue in that tradition you certainly were not expected to go to law school and become a lawyer and join those professional elites. If you were born to a family of a lawyer, a mathematician, a scribe, uh, a Mandarin, which really means a, a deep stater, a government bureaucrat, then you inherited that position. Then it was your uh, right to be a Mandarin, a lawyer, a doctor. And the government in those societies in those Eastern societies, the government was all intrusive. It was the job of the government to make it so that everybody stayed put within their caste, within their uh, strata of society. And um, that's how it was. Now, interestingly enough, I'm going to come back to Russia because this thought is occurring to me that 
the Bolshevik revolution, all, all of Bolshevism and what is happening in America is very much Marxist, Bolsheviks, Bolshe Bolshevist uh, revolution that's taking place, but because of its racial overtones, it also, ha it also smacks of Nazism. So it has really all the garbage of, of, of civilization is now being distilled in America. Bolshevism, Marxism, Communism, Nazism, it's all coming together in movements like Black Lives Matter. Ah, another one, Islamofascism. A good one. So in other words, all the dregs of civilization, all the bile, all that green mucusy stuff uh, that a healthy organism produces and keeps you know, aside in this little pocket, it's all, it's burst in America. You know, America has a problem that is very similar to when you got a deer and you nick that gallbladder and that green bile spills all over. That's what America has. As America was charting its course and being so incredibly successful, it deposited all these unclean elements and now they burst and they're all over the place and probably there's no putting them back uh, it's all it's all polluted now but you know in eastern in eastern civilizations um the government uh is is everything right and the government maintains that social order now civilization civilizations do share some things in common civilizations want law and order because without law and order you cannot feed the people. You cannot have agriculture and industry without having uh, people who are law-abiding and do their work, being, be it dig ditches or design the ditches, be it uh, laborers and engineer, or engineers, you need everybody to pull together and do their work uh, and not become parasites and criminals and so on so both eastern and western civilizations share that need for law and order when law and order breaks down in civilizational societies like america like russia like china <clears throat> uh, it usually happens for a, a revolutionary period that's a period during which this transmission if you think of an automotive automotive kind of analogy you know that in your transmission you have uh, gears and then you have a clutch system doesn't matter if it's automatic or manual which momentarily momentarily separates them so that this gear um, the shaft that has the various gears can shift and then re-clutch again to the drive shaft under a different gear so a revolution is kind of like that. A revolution is a kind of unclutching of the civilizational bargain, of the, of the uh, drive force and the gear that's chosen to transmit it to the wheels. And that little, uh, little time, that, that little event is usually bumpy. You know, if, when you drive in your car, I don't care if it's manual, I don't care how good you are with the clutch, you'll still feel 
a little bit of jolt. And if you look at your passenger sitting next to you, you'll see them jolt when you switch gears. If you have an automatic car, it's the same thing. It just chooses to do it for you when it feels like it's time. Well, what America is experiencing now is that kind of jolt. Because America now is going through a transition, a revolution, from a Western civilization or from a Western civilizational model in which individuals who are informed, educated, hardworking, and most importantly, law-abiding and God-fearing, elect limited governments to do what they as individuals cannot do. In other words, to pool resources so each individual contributes via taxation and then there is this pool of resources which in places like America can be amazingly large and the government uses these pooled resources to provide services that only can be provided with these large resources but it does so on a limited basis and without interfering with the individual's rights as they so so well put it for liberty and the pursuit of happiness right and um, America right now is going through a shift away from this exceptional in human history Western civilizational model to the much more common Eastern civilizational model. But in order to affect this change, there has to be a, 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 an, an inevitable period of destruction. The communist anthem, the international, says there's a line there that says, The old world we shall completely destroy. And this line is repeated now by the various Antifas and Black Lives Matters and, and uh, even politicians like uh, Obama, Biden, all, all the Democrats, they all uh, are repeating this line that the old America must be completely destroyed, transformed. And that's their goal and that's what they're doing. And they've, they've already uh, done enough that it's beyond repair. Not really much remains for them to do. Um, but during that period, there, there is inevitable death, destruction uh, of property, of lives, of, 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 of centuries of accumulated uh, knowledge, of the environment as well. You know, everything uh, gets destroyed. It just kind of has to. And, you know, I, I'm going to go back to this automotive analogy. Okay. So imagine that you're driving your, your manual car and normally when you want to switch gears, you depress the clutch pedal, but you let go of the gas pedal, right? Why? Because you want the drive shaft when you re-clutch it, when you reconnect the drive shaft to the wheels, you want the drive shaft to kind of just idle. 
because if you give it a lot of gas and the drive shaft is at high RPMs, this re-clutching will be very, very unpleasant. Kalanki and Jossily and all of that kind of stuff. Well, in America, the fact that America is so rich and the fact that it's so powerful and the fact that it has so many external enemies means that this uh, gear shift in America is going to be very painful because we're doing it with our foot full on the, on the, on the gas pedal down to the metal. More in the next segment. It's your news and entertainment network. News blogs, informative podcasts, entertaining videos, or listen to 24-7 Talk Radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We the people, AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. What if a new treatment backed by 17,000 scientific articles was proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance? What would you pay for even the smallest dose of this treatment? Well, the good news is you don't have to pay anything because these are just some of the benefits of a full night of quality sleep. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Until now, most sleep aids haven't worked, but a new easy-to-swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company Healthy Cell is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM Sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's Healthy, C-E-L-L slash sleep. Welcome back to the show, folks. You know, as America is undergoing this sea change, this switch from the Western civilizational bargain that is based on individualism, the rule of law, rule of law by individual consent, I should say, because the laws themselves are made by properly elected um, representatives. Individuals accept that they abide, abide by them. Uh, but uh, so what's happened in America right now is that it's leaving this Western civilizational model probably in favor of the more historically prevalent Eastern civilizational model of a stratified society controlled by an all-powerful government just like China for example and uh, this transition of course is unfortunate for those of us for those of us who love the way things were before in the West where the, those people who uh, loved minding their own business, being productive, law-abiding, 
God-fearing individuals who paid their taxes and substantially had the government uh, do its thing and keep out of our way. This is not how it is anymore in America and it's certainly not how it's going to be in America. No matter what we do, it's already done. Um, but now the question is, why this happened and just how violent of a transition uh, we're likely to face in America. Those are the real two questions that we have to start thinking about now. And the question of why it happened unfortunately cannot be discussed without discussing race and I feel as, unco as uncomfortable I guess as anyone else discussing racial issues because of the incredibly painful baggage that is associated with them and I was myself the subject of intense anti-semitism when I lived in Russia or in the Ukraine uh, as a child and I so I know all about those aspects of, 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 of racial difficulties nevertheless uh, we do have to address it because that is the why the reason that America can no longer maintain its Western civilizational model is race. And here is why. It turns out, now, if I, if I said, um, oh, I don't know, just a few weeks ago maybe, if I said something like, uh, blacks, people of color, whatever, are not capable genetically of being strong individual performers, of acquiring a set of uh, useful skills and then deploying these skills to make something useful for society. If I said that people of color were utterly incapable of that, whereas those qualities were the stock in trade of white people. Well, if I said that, uh, you know, just, uh, I guess, a few weeks ago, I'd be considered the worst possible racist, and maybe I still will be. But let me tell you, folks, this is exactly what uh, the African American Museum, in other words, the Museum of African American History, which is part of the Smithsonian, that's exactly what they said in a poster that they very carefully produced. And I'm 100% certain that that poster was produced by black people. And these black people that produced that poster said that all these values that I just mentioned, in other words, getting the job done right, individualism, in other words, self-reliance, and all of that, that was quote-unquote white culture. In other words, they, those people who made this poster, want not do with it. 
to them all these values are um, odious, odious. Okay, so um, you have to understand, or, or we have to come to terms. See, like previously, all Americans believed that, or at least this was the belief that was prevalent in America. The belief was this, a suburban home with a mother, a father, and two or three children with a beautifully manicured lawn, with an apple pie cooling in the window, with a picket fence around it, freshly painted, with the husband and maybe later the wife gainfully employed, maybe having their own business, maybe gainfully employed for you know other companies, doing something productive, going to work every day on time, going to church every Sunday, mowing their lawn, uh, keeping their house looking nice. That was all the model. That was the aspiration. And people thought, well, the reason that more whites than non-whites achieve this is because the non-whites had a rough start. Had a rough start. So, you know, some of them uh, 150 years ago were slaves. And then for the next century were discriminated against in many parts of America. Uh, others were immigrants, you know, um, that didn't have, that it takes time to go from first generation immigrant to somebody who can maintain this kind of lifestyle or build it. And so the idea was that that was the ideal, that suburban home behind a white picket fence with hardworking mother and father was the ideal. And everybody should be helped to reach that ideal eventually. That was the, the thought. That was the, the thinking. So that's the thinking behind things like affirmative action. Let's prefer non-white applicants to various government jobs uh, for coveted university positions and so on so that they can more quickly catch up to this ideal. But now we're facing a totally different story. In other words, not the whites, but the blacks are telling us a totally different story. They're saying that ideal that uh, was before, that individualistic, family-based ideal is not the right ideal. In other words, we don't want to catch up to that. But what I would say is that they are lying to us, folks. They very much want to catch, to, to catch up to that model, but they are incapable of doing so. In other words, we have to come to grips with, real, with some realities in America, one of which is that taken in an average sense, there are significant portions of the American population that for reasons of how they are hardwired cannot live up 
to the ideals of the Western civilization, and because they cannot live up to them, they're incapable. So it's not a matter of catching up. It's a matter of, you know, no go. It ain't happening. Okay, the catching up period is over. It was tried. Trillions upon trillions of dollars were spent on this idea of catching up. And it, it all amounted to nothing. Nobody caught up anything. And I'm not saying that there aren't many, many African-American Amer African Americans who are not very successful. Of course they are. Of course there are. There are many African-Americans who live in those beautiful uh, houses behind beautiful picket fences and do productive stuff and so on. Many, not most. Okay, and that's the difference. There is a big difference between many and most. And we know from a lot of statistics that many African-Americans are born out of wedlock, they are um, failing in that uh, trek towards um, that single-family home with the white picket fence. And because they're failing in it and they're moving farther away from that ideal, they are becoming enraged and they're saying we want no part of it and and that's human nature you know when you cannot achieve something and society tells you that that's what you need to achieve and you're just incapable of achieving it you know it's kind of like um you know maybe you go on this trip with you know your scout troop or 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 whatever and uh you know and and everybody's climbing up this tree and maybe you're kind of short and dumpy and not very athletic and you just don't want to climb up that tree <laughs> okay you're scared right you're scared you're scared and 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 i don't know you feel like you can't do it but everybody's up there and they're, you know, sitting on branches and having the time of their lives. And then there's always some good souls. And they and they say, well, it's not difficult. Here, here, let me let me show you how. Let me help you. You know, they make the little kind of uh, nasty thing with their hands and they say, put your foot here and I'll give you a boost. And you can reach for that branch and, and you can and, and, you know, they're really, really trying to help you. They're trying to do their best. They have good intentions, but you just can't do it. You just can't do it. So what happens is you go through this process of first being, first trying, trying. Then you see you can't do it. You really cannot do it. You're not hardwired to do it. Then you go through a, a, a period of shame. You're ashamed that you cannot do it. Why? Because it looks pretty good up there on the tree. But what comes next is that you become enraged. 
and you become you start hating those people those kids that are trying to help you you start doubting their motives and eventually you want to chop the whole tree down so that's what's happening in america you have these um, racial elements people of color however you want to call them that cannot on average compete within the american structure how it used to be how it was conceived by the american founding fathers they try first they were denied a chance then they kind of tried very hard even though they were denied they tried very hard and many of them succeeded but not most then you had the kind of what we i guess we would call liberal whites trying to give them every possible assistance to succeed in america but that assistance substantially backfired american blacks had lower crime rates especially black on black crime rates had better educational achievements before the civil rights movement than after it. for many reasons including that they were more religious i'm talking about christian but and maybe who knows given more time in that mode maybe they would have succeeded but they weren't the liberal whites decided to upend this whole thing and try to pull them up by force if even kind of do it, spend trillions upon trillions of dollars every possible program to get them up that tree right well all of that failed and in fact not only didn't they get up the tree of american success in the most part but they fell further behind as white Americans were climbing higher and higher up because of technology and so on, black Americans were falling further and further behind. And now they reach this point of rage and they want to burn the whole tree down. They want to chop it down. They want to chop it into the system. They want to burn it and scatter the ashes. And that's what they're doing to America, folks. They are um, trying and succeeding in burning it down to the ground. Now, America will not stay burned down to the ground. It will reestablish itself. How? I don't know. Will it be in one piece? I don't know. Will the whites in America allow all of it to be burned to the ground or just some of it? I don't know. But what I do know is that we are in the midst of a revolution with, the, with, our, with our foot on the gas pedal down to the metal. And this gear shift, my friends, is going to be exceedingly bumpy. So look up to the hills, my friends. Find God. If you ever lost him, find him again. Because that's where 
your salvation, your help will come from and not from everywhere, from anywhere else. Get some useful skills, re-establish ties with family if you can, help each other, because the bump is definitely, the ride is definitely going to be quite bumpy. Most importantly, choose to be free. See you next time.